first want to say thank you this morning for asking me to preach. I appreciate the opportunity to not only address our graduates, but all of our youth at Fifth Avenue Baptist, as well as our entire congregation. So I do appreciate this opportunity. And I want to ask the congregation that if you would, over the next few months, please remember these graduates in your prayers. They have uh, they've just begun a transition into a new adventure. Uh, so they could certainly use your prayers, and hopefully they appreciate that. And I just uh, I want to challenge each of us to keep them in mind. You, you know their names now, and on the reverse of your worship guide, you have a list. So if you hold on to that, you can even pray for them by name, and I want to encourage you to do that. Developing a message for this morning was actually a new adventure for me, and it's not too dissimilar from the adventure that anyone who delivers a sermon from this pulpit has, because there's such a broad variety of individuals in this room. You've got different ages, you've got different personalities. Uh, every, every one and everything that makes up Fifth Avenue Baptist Church is, is different, uh, just as they discussed in the children's time. So it's, it's difficult sometimes to deliver a sermon that will reach everyone where you are. So that's the challenge this morning. Um, and that being said, I feel like somehow we always settle on football as an analogy to do that. And I must admit that I never played. Uh, I never played football as a sport. Um, I don't have a favorite team. I have to wear blue and gold because I married into that family. <laughs> and if, if it comes to how well you can throw a spiral, I sort of learned that in my 20s. And my son, Topher, who's two, is much better than I am, if that tells you anything at all. So this morning, though, I appreciate the analogies of sports and football in, in a little bit of a different way. The last few weeks and, and months, uh, with all of the transitions that we've experienced as a church family, I've had to be sort of on the sidelines or in the stands more. So the hands-on, the week-to-week, -week, like the on-the-field experience, uh, the Youth Education Commission, along with a few newly installed folks who have stepped up to help out, Kyle Hughes, Bethany Freeman, and Nick Duffield, they have done a tremendous job in, in leading our youth leadership team and all of our youth to this point this morning where they've led you in worship. So I do greatly appreciate all of their efforts, and, and I can see, even from the position that I've been in the last few months, that they have done so with such great intentionality. Uh, they have focused just as these students normally would. They have focused in a way uh, that has led all of us to the throne of God this morning. So I have to say that we are very proud of each one of you, um, and we're especially proud of our graduates this morning. Each of you had developed over the last several years in high school, uh, and in a lot of ways, uh, you have developed better than many of us have who have gone before you. Uh, you've done a better job of sharing your faith with your friends. Uh, you've done a better job of being a light to them in your context of being a high school student. So for that, I have to say again, well done. You've done a great job at being unashamed of your faith, of leading Everyone else who's in the youth group behind you, you've led them in doing so. So well done. This morning, I want to share with you how all this appears to me in terms of a process, how we've gotten to this point. And when I use the word process, I do mean that there is an orderly way for each of us to develop spiritually. But I know that that's not always going to be the same for, for everyone. So the process is not the same for me as it is for you um, or, or in any other way. But I do think that each individual leader, as they, as each individual believer, as they, uh, as they develop in their life, that there's a process that God leads them through. 
And this creates our journey. And this is what I've seen in a lot of, of these graduates and a lot of the students over time. The thing that I see that's most evident is somehow, some way, we've experienced God's movement in our lives. Now, whether we're aware of it at the time or sometimes we don't appreciate God's movement in our lives, uh, we've still seen how he is moving. We see the effects of the way he is moving. And even if, if individually you don't see that and feel that in your own life, as you study the scripture, uh, maybe in the lives of the prophets or the disciples or apostles or even Christ himself, we see how God moves. We know how he tends to operate. We've seen the way he works through biblical characters. This leads me to determine that God had a reason he included Jonah's story. He knew, just like Jonah, many of us would resist his call. Just like Moses, he knew that we would doubt that we could ever be what God was calling us to be. I think that's why he also provided us with this image of this sort of ragtag group of misfits when he put the disciples together and gave us an example to follow. No matter who you are or what your position in culture is, I believe that somehow you've got someone as a biblical character that you can identify with because of all the different examples uh, that have been detailed in Scripture. And really, Acts is no different. Uh, this is kind of a place, though, where, where we get a little, a little on edge, uh, where we think, man, this is, uh, you've got all these flaming tongues of fire and all these things that really kind of uh, scare us a little bit, right? And, and I'll admit that this, too, is, uh, is a place where, where I have difficulty but it's through the, the leading of the Holy Spirit that we know these, these leaders, these disciples have been transformed. And they, they began a cultural movement in their time. So as I confess my, my own weakness in understanding the morning of Pentecost, um, I also need to confess that I have, too, like Jonah, uh, I have also ignored God's call at times. And gone the other way, right? And, and we all have some, some experience like that where we've decided this is not for me right now. And, and you kind of take a break or you may go the opposite direction. Or even like Moses, you experience this doubt that says, I, can, I can't be who you're asking me to be. So we understand their experience. But what if I were to consider, and you were to consider, that God wanted to move you out of the power of the Holy Spirit then maybe we could have been like Peter on the morning of Pentecost. Maybe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we would be able to preach just like Peter did to the Jews gathered in Jerusalem that morning. Now, since I'm far too often willing to confess what I am not, allow me instead to confess instead what I am this morning. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the one true king. I am, through the power of the Holy Spirit, an agent of change to those around me. I'm called to share my experiences of faith in God with those around me so they, too, might encounter God in a way that could change their lives forever. This reflection has led me to consider that I am like a diamond. I mean, let me explain that a little bit more. As a child of God, I've been formed just like a diamond. Diamonds are considered rare, and, um, and, and cultures all around the world are highly regarded as very valuable gems, uh, and they're symbols of beauty in God's creation. Uh, diamonds have also been known to 
ignite conflicts among groups of people where they're in competition for their value and the power that, that comes with attaining them. According to geologists, which, by the way, I am not a geologist, so go with me on this, uh, diamonds are formed by undergoing an extreme amount of both heat and pressure. That heat and that pressure that occurs deep in the, in the layers of the Earth's surface, where diamonds are found, they're created uh, between layers of, of carbon. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, and they began speaking in a variety of different languages and all these different dialects that, that instantly were familiar to the people there in Jerusalem that morning, I believe they experienced, the disciples experienced, a great amount of both heat and pressure in those moments. The heat they experienced was that of the flame of the Holy Spirit. The flame described in Acts 2-3 came down and burned inside them, compelling them to speak and to teach and to preach. This burning caused them to share the word God was giving them in those moments. The pressure they experienced were the doubts, the insults, the taunts of persecution from all the people around them. The disbelief of the onlookers created a pressure that that morning challenged each of them to express their faith in a way that had never been seen before. Andy Crouch wrote a book about culture making. In the book, he describes that moment at 9 in the morning on the day of Pentecost. He suggests that this is the precise moment where the curse of Babel is reversed. In Genesis 11, the story of a tower being built in Babel, the tower was being built to reach high into the heavens uh, so that the people there could declare a name for themselves. The Lord then came down to see what was going on, what the people were doing, and he decided that because they all had just one language, this was making them far too efficient at proclaiming their own glory for themselves rather than the glory of God. So as a result, the Lord confused the language. All the people then were scattered all over the earth and spoke many different languages. This ultimately concluded the building of the tower. And because of this dramatic encounter with the Spirit of God in the morning we know as Pentecost, the message of the gospel of Jesus could now be spread to every corner of the earth again. And in this first instance, you had heard read a moment ago, 3,000 people came to know and believe in Christ that day because of the events of Pentecost. Something very amazing occurred that morning as a result of both heat and pressure. I am a diamond. You are a diamond. I've only ever viewed a few diamonds up close, which should suggest to you that Jana probably needs a better birthday gift this year. <laughs> In the process of, of purchasing a ring to, uh, for our engagement, I did learn a lot about diamonds. I learned the four C's. Some of you may know the four C's. The four C's of diamonds are the cut, color, clarity, and carrot. I see a few of you saying those along with me, so you must know them. Uh, the cut of a diamond gives the stone its shape. It also is the key to how it sparkles. If the cut is too shallow or too deep, then the stone will not give off as brilliant of a sparkle. The lack of color in a diamond will also allow for more sparkle to be shown. 
The clarity of a diamond is used to describe whether deep imperfections are noticeable to the unaided eye. Finally, a carat refers to the weight of a diamond, not the size. So it is possible to find more brilliantly sparkling diamonds in smaller weights depending on the other three criteria that are used to classify these stones. So now that I've given you this brief education on the four C's, this is going to be beneficial to you guys at some point, I promise. Now you've got a head start. Um, I want you to reflect on your life, and I want you to consider this. Reflect on your own life and consider that God views you as his diamond. God views you as his diamond. In the collection of Solomon's Proverbs, we read in verse 17:3, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. This tells me that God is in the refining business. His goal is to refine each of our hearts. He has a process for that. He refines our hearts through a process, and this has the potential to create in us something beautiful. So you are a diamond. You may have lots of cuts. You may be a real colorful person. But you receive clarity by going through his process. Through his process, we are each called to encounter the presence of God and the vision he has for our individual lives. In this process, first, we have to admit we are sinners in need of a Savior to bring us back into a right relationship with God. Second, we have to believe that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, as a human to this earth to die for our sins. Finally, we have to choose to follow Jesus. We do this by understanding the love he has for us and following the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives daily. Admit, believe, choose. This is the beginning of our refining process. When someone wants to know why your life sparkles so much as a believer, that's all you have to say. I know Jesus because I admitted my sin, I believe in him, and I've chosen to follow him. Admit, believe, and choose. That's the beginning of the process. Through this process, each of us is then refined, and we're challenged to share our experience with others, allowing for the message of the gospel to multiply in the hopes of reaching the farthest corners of the earth again. This was further made possible by those events on Pentecost. We should really find that fascinating. God chose you and me to be a part of his magnificent plan. It's his intention to refine us. We are the means through which the vision of his plan becomes complete. He wants us to be like diamonds. And to the graduates on the front rows, you may not want to hear this part, but I have a feeling that in the next few years you're going to experience more heat and more pressure academically. It sounds like you've chosen uh, a wide range of careers that will require a lot more training. And in that training, things might be difficult, and you might wonder why you chose the path you chose, but you did. And I'm here to tell you that there's, there's more of a reason for that. God wants you to be like diamonds in the field of study that you've chosen. 
He wants you as you interact with other people when you study and eventually when you, you, you enter the workforce. He wants you to shine like diamonds so you can be a light to their lives. I want to remind you of something else, though, because it's not an easy path sometimes. In light of our discussion on diamonds, this is more of a pop quiz section. Who remembers the Mohs hardness scale? You guys know what I'm talking about? You remember the Mohs hardness scale? Think back, science class, anybody? Okay, we're graduating people that don't know this, but that's okay. I'm going to tell you what it is. All right, so this is about diamonds. So diamonds, the Mohs hardness scale rates the, the, the hardness of a variety of stones. So this is a test. This is a test you would have done in like 10th grade science, okay? So the Mohs hardness scale, diamonds are found... Number 10, number 10. So the scale is 1 through 10. Diamonds are the hardest stone on this scale. So I say that to you because I want to remind you that in being called to be diamonds, you're called to be tough. You're called to be resilient. Um, This tells me that God wants you to be strong. He wants you to be prepared. He wants you to be ready to face times of doubt and not get discouraged. He wants you to be prepared for spiritual attacks. That's why last week we talked about the armor of God. That it really happens, and he wants you to be prepared for that. And if you were ever unclear of why your parents have been dragging you to this building week after week, your entire lives, some of you since you were infants, that was why. They want you to be prepared. They know how important it is for each of you to develop your own faith. This is your journey now. For many of you, we've been walking alongside you for years, since you were little. As a church, we're going to split. We're going to split now, and we're gonna, your path is going to go in a, in a slightly different direction. You're, some of you aren't going to be here every Sunday now. And, and as you... Embark on that new adventure. It's important for you to remember that you're God's diamond. As a church, we're going we're gonna to walk along the rest of the, the path with these students year after year after year. That's what we're called to do. We're called to walk with, with them. We're called to journey together. We're called to love one another, to equip one another, to teach each other how to live and love like God loves and to share our experiences of encountering his love with others. We're here to become like diamonds, constantly being refined by the process of following Christ and becoming increasingly valuable to the work of the kingdom. We're here to live like the disciples on the day of Pentecost, preaching, teaching, and multiplying the good news of the gospel so that every corner of creation will hear the name of Christ Jesus, our Savior. And that's our continued prayer for each one of you. Will you pray with me?